Welcome to Rethinking Youth Ministry, where each week we hope to raise the bar for youth ministry by asking questions, interviewing thinkers, and having real honest conversations about what it looks like to lead the next generation. I'm Sarah, and today I'm thrilled to be joined by Ashley. Hey! Dan. How's it going? And Stuart. Pop goes the weasel, because the weasel go pop. There you go. Wow. <laughs> oh, boy. You never know what's going to come oh, out of Stuart's mouth. You never know. Here we know. go. Yeah. So today on Rethinking Youth Ministry, we're talking about what to do when students find their identity in sports, band, and more. And for those of you who may be new listeners, about a year ago, we did two podcasts on a very similar topic. So if you haven't listened to that, that's episode 19, parts one and two. So we'll put a link in our show notes. You can go back and listen to it. But this is going to be kind of a continuation from that podcast. So before we get started, what I want to do, we've got the same guests as last time. I kind of want to do a little bit of catching up on where everybody has come since last time, since a lot of life has kind of happened for everybody around the table. Maybe some opinions have changed on things. So who wants to start? Dan. Yeah, maybe not. Okay. (laughs) Dan, you want to start for us? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, So (laughs) my voice in in the last podcast was sort of the parent of of the teenager who is, you know, actively involved in sports. And what was really funny, uh, we were about to hit a tryout season for soccer. And my son is like, super quiet. He, we're talking about, Hey, so tomorrow's, and he just, just kind of burst out in, with tears in his eyes. Yeah. I, I don't want to play soccer next year. And we were like, wait, what? Like, come from? this is yeah. what you do. Like, you're really good. You're letting your team, yeah. like all the things that we talked about, mm-hmm. like you have a mm-hmm. gift, you should use it. You, you know, like all of these things. And he's like, well, he just had this like really wise moment for, you know, this 15 year old kid. And he's like, which is the result of great parenting, by the uh, way, keep going. Yeah. And his mom, uh, that's what I was trying to say. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, no, but he, he just says, you know, I don't see it in my future and Mm -hmm. the amount of time that it takes away from what I do see for my future, it does not seem to be a good balance. That's great you frontal Perhaps like, the most difficult thing for but, anyone to do, but yeah. especially a teenager, yeah. is to think that far down. Yeah, yeah. And especially where his entire, you know, where I'm so glad we're talking about identity because yeah. his entire friend group, you know, minus like maybe four people that were in his like tech classes right. that he's in at school were part of the soccer team. Like those are the kids that he hung out with. That was our weekends. And then even as, you know, from the parent side of it, I was losing a friend group, you know, and I had to take my own emotions out of it and say, this is not about me and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, and what's happening for me as the soccer dad, Mm -hmm. but really, yeah, what is the trajectory for him? Mm -hmm. And, but it doesn't solve, and this is, this is where I think this is really important here. It doesn't solve the church problem. No. Because just because I don't do sports anymore doesn't mean I'm going to fill that with right. church. Mm-hmm. So, so it doesn't, the, the identity thing is still up yeah. for grabs. The, mm-hmm. how, do we, how does a student in general right. connect with a trusted adult and a community right. of peers? Mm-hmm. You know, those, those questions are always on the table yeah. regardless right. of, of that. So, yeah. But that's where we are as a family. Like our yeah. family's completely changed and now it's helping him sort of figure out now, mm-hmm. where do I belong in, in the world? Mm-hmm. What do I, you know, what do, what do I replace that time with? Mm-hmm. How am I still productive? How am I, you know, still looking and building towards that future? Which she would have had to figure out at some point, mm-hmm. but is having to do it now. Yeah. We made the decision. Yeah. Cause yeah. Cause let's say, and which thankfully, you know, this is just me in this like 
I'm with my friends, but like, thankfully he's not doing this apart from us oh. because it yeah. could be yeah. that he would That's get to college point. and he's, cause he does not, he, that was the thing. I don't want to play this in college. I know I don't see that happening yeah. because I know I'm going to be really busy doing these other things for my major. And so if he got to college yeah. and had to wrestle with all of those things, how old is your support. son? Uh, he's, uh, he turned 16 in, in a few months. That's so amazing he's that he's even thinking about a major at this age. Right. But again, a great right, Well, he doesn't of, know, but he's just, he's yeah. still trying to think like, he's just looking at the trajectory yeah. and thinking, you know, this is going to be my hardest year in high school. This is going mm. to be a really hard time. Yeah. So, you know, just, so just wrestling through that. Yeah. Ashley, what about you? Well, I would say that, I mean, in all transparency, after we finished the, the first two conversations mm-hmm. about this, it was like so emotional for me. Mm. Like I bawled my <laughs> eyes out afterwards because it's this like, yeah, it's very, well, it's therapeutic. It's healing to talk about. Yeah. And at the same time, like when you think about all the different people involved in this conversation, mm-hmm. like when you think about it from a coach's point of view, a parent's point of view, a player's point of view, and then the youth pastor, I I see all the sides. Yeah. And yeah. so it's so frustrating for me to not find, like I can't land on one yeah. answer because depending on whose side I'm talking from, <laughs> yeah. I see it differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so... I, it's like this inner struggle in me because I know that my story isn't everybody's story and my experience isn't mm-hmm. everybody's experience. But like, how do I even find words to try to put to my experience to help somebody else understand what I mean? You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So it's been it's been challenging. And then the the funny thing is is I had injured you know my ankle and my ankles and everything are a little bit all stretched out from college sports. But I was laughing to myself thinking. <laughs> <laughs> You know, nobody ever really gets a scholarship to college. You may on the front end, but you yeah. pay for it in co-payment <laughs> on the back end when you go to yeah. all of your rehab and yeah. doctor's yeah, yeah, appointments. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. So, little talked yeah. about. And, and I do have to say, like, my I had mentioned before, my dad and I have had amazing conversations, like, as I'm an adult and grown up about mm-hmm. all of the things. But I know it was, like, really hard for him to listen to those episodes. Yeah. So we had some more really good, like, I'm going to cry talking about it, but some really, like, good That's conversations. Really cool. to him. Yeah. Yeah. And can you, also. Can you expound on, like, where you guys landed or <clears throat> where he landed or you landed? I mean, we always laugh about the co-payment installments yeah. <laughs> on the back end of college because it's just, like, you pay for it over a longer period right. of time in that way. He always says, like, I wish I would have known what I was doing to your body, mm-hmm. like, and what it meant to push you to play through an injury. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that's always, that always comes up. Yeah. And it's, um, he's, like, amazing. I can't remember a single game he missed. Like, he yeah. was my biggest fan yeah. and, like, biggest encourager. And everything he did for me was so pure in his motives because mm-hmm. his father wasn't, like, he his father worked so much he never was around to help give him opportunities for mm-hmm. developing his skills. Mm-hmm. So my dad wanted sure. to give me every opportunity. Sure. Yeah. And so his motives were so pure and wanting to help me develop. He saw that I had a gift and the feeling of, like, guilt. Mm. Because I was telling him that's what I wanted at the time, but yeah. I didn't know anything else that I wanted, yeah. you know, but I didn't know how to say that. And I didn't even, mm. I wasn't even self-aware enough to know that. And so there's like a lot of like, in a way he feels like he failed. And no matter like how many times you have that conversation, when he sees like the emotion it brings up in me, yeah. he knows that there's, there's something real there. Mm. Yeah. So every time we talk about it, it gets emotional yeah. in a good way. Yeah. Like yeah. it's healing. And um, 
Yeah. So. But I think it's interesting. I mean, you have, you have having been in all those positions as a coach, not, fire, a, not a parent, not a parent, but, but every other position, I feel like there's something you said a spiritual for, parent. Yes. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. You really believe that everybody's just doing the best they can with what they have because you've been, you've done the best that you can in the, all those positions. And I think for those of us who've only been in one role to believe that about the other roles oh, and that yeah. we're all just doing the best we can. Yeah. And for the sake of this kid, whoever this kid is, mm-hmm. you know, I think it just allows a lot of grace yeah. and empathy in the conversation. Stuart, what about you? I, I'm just grateful that Ashley didn't punch me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> because there was a threat made there, there <laughs> before were, we there, started recording. Yeah. Well, and even during those two sessions, it, it was, I mean, you could tell that with Ashley, especially we were tapped into something that yeah. was deep and personal and that kind of thing. So, it thrills me that at least in some regard, there's a light at the end of the tunnel yeah. for <laughs> what you're, what you're working through in our house. I think the episode 19.1.2, uh, <laughs> what was interesting were was the dynamic of having discussions, not only with you guys around the table, but also youth leaders from around the country and the pushback. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was, it, it's interesting. There was, some pushback. There were also a ton of parents who thanked us. By us, I mean us around the table. Mm -hmm. Because I do think there is a a big amount, a large amount of moms and dads who feel guilty. Mm -hmm. And that was interesting to to help them wrestle with that a bit. Um, And and now, uh, Dan alluded to this off air, we we're empty nesters. Our yeah. youngest daughter graduated high school early mm-hmm. and enrolled where she's playing soccer in January. And so we're actually testing. It, we've moved from testing mode into the to real yeah. deal because yeah. we're seeing, I mean, is, is what we've hoped we've invested yeah. in Cameron and Chandler and Grant's already graduated, but is it real? Yeah. Because yeah. that really is a test. Yeah. It, it's, you know, it's all theory until exactly. Now. We speak freely of love when it serves our purpose, but, <laughs> right. then, but, right. when, it, but when it's tested, so that's yeah. that's an interesting part of it as yeah. well. Yeah. So share a little bit of the, some of the feedback. Was most of the was the pushback from youth pastors more so, and the encouragement from parents more as a whole, or like kind of what was the what was the feeling? <clears throat> that's a great question. I think I think some of the pushback. And encouragement mm-hmm. were from moms and dads who actually sit where Ashley is sitting. Mm-hmm. And that is they grew up playing sports. Mm-hmm. They have children who love playing sports. Mm-hmm. But now, for example, this guy is the youth pastor at his church. Mm-hmm. And that's a tension point that we really didn't even dive into. But right. it's one thing for yeah. you to be a parent. It's a yeah. different thing for you to be a church employee. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was interesting. I do think that a lot of the tension comes down to, and I know we're going to get to this today. I think it comes down to how we view the capital C church. Mm-hmm. What is its purpose? Some of it is theological. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of it is rooted in identity. Yeah. But those were really the tension points. Yeah. There were there were youth leaders that said thank you because they, the way they view their ministry is to launch students into culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then there were some that were like, I can't believe that you're, you know, encouraging people to miss on a Sunday. Yeah. 
um, which I don't think we were doing, no. but that's, I, I recognize where yeah. they're coming from. Yeah. And then there were a ton of parents who do feel this in, intense pressure that I see this gift in my kid and I've got to say no to a team because yeah. I also feel this incredible responsibility to raise them up as people who love Jesus. So anyway, I th- I, it was equal. Yeah. yeah. But, but what I appreciated was the dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So I th- the, the main question we're trying to deal with today is the identity piece. Cause I think that's probably the fear that we could all agree on is that the, the tendency is going to be to have a student put their identity and wh- whether that's sports or band or whatever. And then if that does go away, like Dan, your son made the decision, do they know who they are apart from it? So how do we encourage a healthy uh, attention to these, you know, extracurricular activities or whatever that is without it becoming an obsessive identity piece for these kids. Dead silence. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, it's hard Yeah, because it's what they do in their, it's what they do in their spare time. Right. Like if they go to school and they play sports, they go to school, they're in band, they go to school, they're in drama, they go to school like that. It's, their identity is wrapped into those things as much as our own identity is wrapped into our work or, you know, our, our family or whatever those things are for, you know, for kids, it's, it's either wrapped up into my boyfriend, girlfriend relationship. It's wrapped up into this extracurricular thing that I do. It's wrapped into my grade. Like our identity is in general going to gravitate towards something Something. that we're really good at or somewhere where we find comfort Mm -hmm. and safety. Mm -hmm. And, and if we can help them figure out that, that ultimately is in the person of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. that regardless of what we're doing here and there, mm-hmm. th- that is still the filter by which we're going to read all of the rest. Uh, well, but that- so in some regard, you're actually arguing for the fact that sports isn't really the issue. No. No, it's, it's really, really an identity issue. Yes. It's an identity issue yeah. that that I'm becoming obsessed with my play at soccer. I'm becoming obsessed how, with the how basketball How are we player. using the sports to, yeah. to fill some kind of... Yes. Yeah. Well, when, when thinking about this ahead of time, I mean, I thought this isn't a teenager issue. This is an adult issue. I right. mean, how many... This is a human a, issue. Yeah. How, do, how many adults do we know that find their work or their purpose in their work? And that the same... You run the same risk whether whether you're a church kid or a sports kid. I mean, I was like the token youth group kid. Yeah. So then I don't go to youth group anymore. I mean, that was a part of my identity. How many senior pastors do we know that have their identity wrapped up? And so it could be, it could be a really good thing in sports. It could be a really good thing in church. The danger is still the same and how much weight you're putting in this thing to define your worth. Can right? I interject something that happened to us yeah. just last night, which is usually the way God does things. <laughs> but a very dear friend comes over and she begins to have this conversation with Kelly that I got to eavesdrop into. And then um, we all started talking about that. I think that there are parents all across our country that fall asleep at night crying because they have kids who they are just praying, show some sort of passion or attention towards something Mm. because apathy is Mm. such I think apathy may scare parents more than obsession. Yeah. That's a great point. And when, and when a mom and dad see a kid who shows an interest in something, let's be, let's be careful not to quickly chastise that parent. Yeah. Because as somebody who has three kids, I'm sure Dan, you can speak to this as well. Sarah, you can speak to this. 
when your children show some sort of intense interest in anything, yeah. mm-hmm. you want to champion that yeah. because you've also seen it when, you know, yeah. I, I'm more fearful of children laying on the couch playing yes. Fortnite till three o'clock in right. the morning. Yeah. But, and that just speaks to how important and positive the identity pieces that the sports and all those things can offer that there is something positive in it, that it's just when it becomes too much, it's when you lose the balance that it becomes more of a negative thing. I'm glad you use the word balance because I think that is if everybody in this conversation keeps that word mm-hmm. it, like mm-hmm. centered in it, I think that's huge because, mm-hmm. I mean, for me, I remember in college soccer, I mean, there's a difference between choosing not to continue doing something and then like an injury that doesn't allow you right. to yeah, continue that's doing yeah, something. That's a, big, that's a great point. And I remember I, we were playing Ohio State in college and I hurt my neck and I remember like, you know, it's been years still to this day have neck issues from that soccer yeah. injury. Was told never to play soccer again, didn't listen. Finished out my college career. Stupid. But um, (laughs) um, I remember just like laying on that. I mean, my whole schedule was around soccer in college. So it's when you do homework, how many hours you do homework? When do you go to the training facility? When do you have your one-on-ones? When do you have tutoring? When do you have, like, it's like so structured. And it's like, if, if I had a more balanced schedule, yeah, then when that one thing gets taken out, it doesn't feel like your whole world. Yeah. Mm. That, you know? Yes. And so like as as we're raising this generation of teenagers, like keeping balance, like, yes, you have an interest, great, like let's pour into that, but let's help you find other right. interests. Yeah. Well, you know, it's and, that idea that every virtue can become a vice with too oh, much yeah. without moderation. And so there there is virtue in finding what you're good at and being and especially the ages that we have these kids for. I mean, there's such identity forming ages and the fact that we get to play a role in building that up, it's just making sure that it's not centered around something that- And I know we talked about this last time, but all of this is really, it's a laboratory for life. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And I would also, I'm gonna push a little bit here, but I'm not sure balance has ever changed the world. Okay. Explain. I think I think people are, who are passionate change the world. Mm-hmm. We should probably let Frank Beeler come and speak about the myth of balance. But <laughs> book plug. Yeah, yeah, book yeah. plug. But <laughs> but I'm wondering if there's a better way to articulate what we're talking about because yeah. all four of us sitting around this mm-hmm. table, if we get really honest with ourselves, aren't necessarily balanced. Yeah. And we're, in fact, there are seasons where seasons. you're running hard in order to achieve something. I would push back and say, okay, only it's going to get good, it's guys. It's about to go down. <laughs> only until you know who you are. Correct. Yes. Like, I think, I think that that was one thing about the last conversation I walked away thinking, too, is like, this is so, it's not like super cookie cutter. It's very kids and yeah. it, like, oh, it's, it's kid indiv- specific. Yes. And yeah. now we're getting to where I was hoping we were going to get. And, and like <laughs> developmental. Yes. Like, yeah. The developmental stage matters yeah. because you can't get to where you are saying, like, I get what you mean, but until you have a foundation of faith or, a, like, yeah. an and understanding. I, but, and I think what's hard in the culture is that we we are pushing kids. By the way, this is such a great discussion. Let's roll. This is good. <laughs> like, Go. where you are in culture is you are having to make those decisions earlier and earlier yeah. and earlier. So where when I was in middle school, it was like, try everything. Like, I played three yeah. sports. I was playing trumpet. I was doing singing. I was just trying all of these different things. Where now, by middle school, you are choosing that you are going to be a travel player. 
you are committing to this, you know, yeah. Fifth, sixth grade is those times where like the kids who are really going to go for it, they try out for the team. They start the travel. They are going to be on the competitive dance team. They're going to be on the competitive gymnastics team. Their weekends are gone and, and that they've committed to that where the truth is there's a really good chance that they're not even able to really make that decision yet. Right. And and what a parent can come or a small group leader yeah. can come alongside and help them like understand like okay well here here's what could happen, you mm-hmm. know, it, or here's what this means. Like mm-hmm. this means that you're going to choose this over this friend's party. Mm-hmm. It means that you're going to choose this over that. You're only you're like that we're not creating well-rounded kids. Right. Yeah. You know, and and because we're pushing them into the niche too soon. Right. Right. But at the same time, there are those kids. That oh, if don't they have necess- a natural affinity. You're not having to push them because that's what they want they to chase. They want to do, yeah. for sure. And, and that's in fairness, different. In fairness that's to different. sports, in fairness to sports, kids do the same thing as it relates to leading worship at church. Oh, yeah. yeah. Being a part yeah, yeah, of the yeah. leadership mm-hmm. team at church. Oh, yeah. for sure. Uh, wanting, to, wanting to party. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, it's finding your identity somewhere. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Correct. It's just, it's easier to pick on sports. And, but I, I think it's the same danger with church. Well, it's so much a part of our culture. Yeah. Like our Western culture, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. And the, in fairness, too, not every, like, for example, you should never put me on stage to lead worship. That would be a disaster. <laughs> okay. Please invite him. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'd pay to see it. I'm yeah. totally cool sitting, standing in the pew beside yes. my family yeah. and singing a little bit out loud. <laughs> or at least mouthing the words. However, <laughs> there are people yeah. that we all know that have an incredible gift to do that. And they, in yeah. the same way, and Ashley just raised her hand <laughs> on a podcast. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that was for you guys only. Yeah, I mean, I I can sing. But yeah. but here's my point that I'm trying to get to, and that is there are some kids who are going to play recreational sports, and that is so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, there yeah. isn't the pressure to pra- to play and practice on Sunday or Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. And that kid shouldn't. That kid is isn't less than a kid who plays no, 100%. a travel sport because. Yeah. That kid has a gift that this kid doesn't have. But for some reason, we start weighing them against each other. Mm -hmm. And I think we do a disservice not only to... It does a disservice to the kids, but it also is confusing to the kid. Like, why is it it that the the, the, uh, scale is tilted toward them Mm -hmm. and not here? Because... And and that's where I think with the identity piece, we have to do a better job of helping students understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Who you who are you are created in, mm-hmm. and you know the fact that Ashley yeah. pushed back a few seconds ago isn't a bad thing because one of the things that Dan said at the outset was this idea of walking with Jesus is who I am. It has nothing to do with what I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what we're hopefully getting students to begin to wrap their minds mm-hmm. and hearts around. Sorry, but I think I, what you said, Ashley, you made the point that it has to do developmentally with what they're capable of mm-hmm. understanding. And there was, some, there was another comparison you made. But I think the, the point that you're trying to make is what's right for one person at, in ninth grade, that same kid might be a different decision or might it may not mean the same thing a couple of years later. And so mm-hmm. even realizing there's not a one size fits all answer for every kid. Mm-hmm. There's not a one size fits all answer for that kid any particular year. It could mm-hmm. be different. Yeah, that's true. So I, I I think that just goes to show how complicated the conversation mm-hmm. is. 
that it's just constantly going to be changing. Even given your experience, Dan, from one year, oh, yeah. how different yeah, it is yeah. for you. But, and I would also, I used, Stuart said, mentioned something earlier about the, the kid who's having the hard time finding the thing. Yeah. And it's, and maybe it's not even apathy. Maybe it's this literally, they just they have just not it. found the passion. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause I have one of those, we have one of those at home as well. Yeah. And actually parenting her is actually harder Yes, because we put the energy into, you know, my daughter, she's a singer and she yeah. wants, she's a songwriter. And so we've done all this stuff for her and mm-hmm. she has a website and she's recording and like all, the, so she got a lot of attention. And then my son got a, mm-hmm. a lot of attention with, uh, with soccer. Yeah. And, and so my third, she's, she's more like, I don't know. So I don't know what I'm doing. And not even that, just, yeah. just more like she's <laughs> tried so many things and nothing has struck that, that chord yeah. of passion. And so do you it's find just your... different having to help her and she doesn't really connect. She's an introvert and doesn't really connect with church. So like yeah. none of it. Right. Yeah. So, so to just to keep telling her, regardless, you are a great person and mm-hmm. you are intelligent That's and you so are good. strong yeah. and you are, and we'll figure out, you do not have yeah. to decide wh- yeah. what you're going to do for the rest of your life right now. Yeah. Can I throw something out? It, is there any hint of a lack of perspective and maybe even arrogance in youth ministries where we think that whatever it is we're doing is attractive to every kid? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a great question. That's, that's incredible. Talk yeah. amongst yourselves. <laughs> you don't have that's an answer for that? I, I'm <laughs> just going to throw that out no, there. No, no, no. Yeah, I'm yeah. asking because, I, I mean, we have felt that tension as well. Yeah. And maybe it should, ref, you know, maybe that's a need for us to look in the mirror as parents and we're yeah. the issue. I'm not at all implying that I'm not the issue. <laughs> but there are kids who are like, I, I'm just not sure that's it. Yeah. And what I think Dan would admit to, because we've been there, is when they do show a glimmer of, I think I'm interested in that. You're like, let's go. Right. Yeah, let's try it. Right, let's right. do it. Let's try it. Let's try it. And, yeah. and you throw yourself into yeah, and we'll, it. Yeah, and we'll race you know, to it until yeah. the door closes or they lose interest. or yeah. you know, and, and at some point, you just hope that something is sparked and yeah. something continues. Yeah. You know, and... Hmm. But what, it, but what we need to remember is that can't be the sum total of who they are as a human right. being. Mm-hmm. Right. That, that along the way, we are giving them, yes, you are so good at this, mm-hmm. and that is, but that is now a gift to the world. Mm-hmm. Right. So like your identity cannot be wrapped in this because this could be taken away at any moment. But while you have it, let's be good stewards of it. Yeah. And so what does that mean to be a good steward of what you've been given in light of who God wants you to be? And this is this may be a little bit of a rabbit trail, but I, when we were just talking about how easy it was for you, Dan, to show your older two kids, you know, to pour in the kind of the attention yeah. to what they showed interest in. Because they, they drove down. They had the passion. They had the know. passion. Yeah. Do you think there do you think it's possible that some kids continue pursuing the sport or the extracurricular. Do you think some kids are pursuing that because it's a tangible way to, to see the affection and attention from their kid, from their parents? Mm-hmm. That yeah, it's not I, I necessarily would. like the passion. They're like, I don't know if I want to do this forever, but my dad shows up to every game. Like you said, Ashley, like that was a really right. tangible way to see his love for you. Very, I think that's very possible. insightful, Sarah. Yeah. I think that's, I I think that's definitely possible. wonder what that... Ashley, do you have the capacity, hindsight's twenty twenty. if it wouldn't have been soccer, what would you, what do you think you'd have thrown yourself into? Uh, I 
basketball and soccer were my everything. So I had to choose which sport to play in college. I had options to do both. And, but other than that, I have no idea. Hmm. Bad question. Sorry. <laughs> my, I mean, from like a middle school age, I was yeah. specialized in those sports yeah. and everything revolved around it. Even our family dynamic, like hmm. this family That's schedule revolved around yes. when Ashley, yeah. what state she was going to be in and playing what, like yes. it was. Yeah. Do you have siblings? <clears throat> yeah. Three. So, um, were they equally as involved in something? No. So they just came along for the ride? No, not always. My, I mean, I got most of, like, I would say I got most of my dad's attention in that because he would be the one who traveled with me. But, like, they had their interests, but it was not, like, a specialized Hmm. interest like that. Yeah. So, but you're right. There is, I mean, that was the case in our family growing up. I had an older sister who did competitive gymnastics. And so every weekend it was like, we, the mm-hmm. whole family packed up the car. You brought a lot of books with you, but it was like, that's where we went yeah. to the meets. And did mm-hmm. you find yourself jealous? I don't know, mom, are you listening? <laughs> um, no, I don't know. I mean, I think there's something, I think in hindsight, there is something to be said for is there time for me to have mm-hmm. an equal interest in something when so mm. much time is being put into this siblings activities? Mm. And I didn't, I mean, yeah. I did soccer for a while and I stopped in middle school when it started to get like really competitive, but I don't know. I mean, I, I do think that's maybe probably playing in the back of your mind a little bit of like how much room is there mm-hmm. for a lot of attention to every kid having something. Wow. I remember, I you know, even being a youth pastor, like when students would talk about like wanting to come to camp or come on a mission trip or talk about wanting a new Bible, mm-hmm. right? Well, it was so interesting to me. Like, and this is like such an indirect way to tell a teenager what's important, but yes, I'll spend $150 on the best cleats yeah, possible so you yeah. can feel the ball. Yeah. But uh, you still have a Bible that works. It's... It's fine. Yeah. Or you're going to have to figure out how to raise money for that camp. camp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, you know what I mean? It's kind of like it becomes this, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's such a slight way to show what's more important and mm-hmm. what you value more as mm-hmm. a parent. Yeah. You know? But I think, that, I think that goes back to what you were saying in the very beginning, Dan, that when your son told you he wanted to be done with soccer, that there is an identity piece for you as yeah. a soccer dad. So it's almost, I think we forget, you know, especially when we're kids, that our parents are figuring out mm-hmm. the parenting thing as they go yeah. along. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, and along doing, with that, our youth leaders are finding their right. identity in, in their, the lead, in the leading. youth group they're yeah. leading. And so when someone doesn't want to come to that or opts for something else instead of that, it feels personal. now it feels personal. Right. And now all of a sudden it's attack on my identity. I've created this, I've helped create this environment and you don't want it. Yeah. Like, why don't you want it? Like, yeah. aren't, and so now we're competing and we don't even want to, or realize we are, you know, we don't realize how much our identity is wrapped into yes. the environments that we're creating. And I think there's so many pieces with the coach and the student and the parent that if any one of those people is seen as an identity piece, then it throws everything off yeah. and it makes it for an unhealthy yeah. relationship. Well, and to complicate the conversation even more, let's also be intellectually honest and say that there are some kids, but we're all talking about the privilege of choice. Yeah. yeah. There are some kids that don't even, like, to them, athletics is the ticket out. Yeah. That's a great point. And so yeah. the, the youth leader who's looking at that kid going, why don't you ever come to church? 
mm-hmm. and their parents are going because this may pay for his yeah. school. Yeah. yeah. This is his future. This yeah. is like legit, like legitimately his future. Yeah. I heard Michelle Obama being interviewed and she was talking to her mom one day about job opportunities. Mm-hmm. And her mom grew up during a time where she didn't have the privilege of choice. Mm-hmm. And so her mom looked at her and said, you take the job. Right. You, <laughs> yeah. You, and, and it struck First Lady Obama, interestingly, yeah. that I have privilege now mm. and my parents didn't. Yeah. yeah. And that also speaks to how your father, as someone who was raised by a dad who could not talk to me about spiritual mm-hmm. things, love things, it was his, I would bet money it was his, his way of being able to love you. Oh, yeah. for sure. And yeah. now he looks back now and probably wishes that he would have been able to articulate the words. Yeah. Or wishes I would have been able to yeah. articulate the words yeah. then right. because it's yeah. hard for him where I'm saying one thing as a teenager and then you grow up and you learn from everything in your past and you're like, oh, I wish I could go back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's hard. Yeah. And like, it kills me to know he feels guilty. Like that's never, ever the conversation. It's not right. a guilt thing. Like I feel like the luckiest person on the planet to have a dad who like saw that in me, invested in me, gave yeah. me every opportunity mm-hmm. to develop it, cheered me on. Like I'm, I'm so grateful for that. Mm-hmm. I'm just sad that he has to carry that, you know, as mm-hmm. we talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the truth is it's, just complex. Yeah. And that there is not a black and white answer yeah. to, to any of this. Yeah. If there is any narrow black and white answer, it is how do we help parents and youth leaders lead each kid yes. specifically? Yes. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. so. Yeah. I mean, that is definitely a black and white conclusion, but then how that gets applied. How that plays out. Is it's like, okay, well, who's this child? And, yeah. you know, all of the the complexities of of that. Okay, so how is the youth pastor tempted to solve this problem by you know making it more of a black and white thing when it is obviously more complex? No, I mean it's like there's this meme going around right now, yes. right? Like there that it's like this picture of a little kid playing sports and it's like there's a 0.296% chance your child will become a professional athlete. There's a 100% <laughs> chance your child will stand before Jesus. Get them to church. You know, and it's like I get Powerful. like I literally I get the sentiment, but now but now we're creating like teams. we are creating teams. Yeah. That it's us against them. Yes. And it can never be about that. Right. Because of what we talked about in the, the last episode, yeah. but A, to what you said about you found your, you only found your identity yeah. in the church. And yeah. when you left said church and you had to find another church, like it was all thrown up in the air again. Yes. And right. so the, the creating of the well-rounded kid who can just respond to change and respond to life and just has this the strong view of self mm-hmm. in light of, you know, who Jesus is and, and, you know, the relationships around them, mm-hmm. but we can't pit them against each other. Right. We, we can't start that because that just leads us back to like kids resenting the church or kids right. resenting the youth pastor or kids resenting their parents right. and parents resenting the church and no one's, you know, helping me. And they're, you know, and we, yeah. we can't do that. Yeah. yeah. When it matters more what our kids' faith looks like than what our kids' faith actually is, it's not faith anymore. It's theater. Yeah. That's a great For point. sure. That's I would good. also add that the meme that Dan just referred to mm-hmm. applies to all of life. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the difficult part for any youth leader listening to this 
is how do I create a ministry that is that respective of every single kid? Because if we get really honest, most of our youth ministries are very cookie cutter and programmatic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think the answer and Ashley, I would love for you to speak into this. I think, oh, I will. I, oh, I don't doubt it. I think the answer is how relational we are. Yes. Yeah. I think transformational leaders are mentoring, are about mentoring kids. Yes. Mm-hmm. Transactional leaders are about monitoring kids. Mm-hmm. That's and good. the question we have to ask as youth leaders is, are we about transformation? Or are we really more transactional? Am I constantly monitoring how often this kid attends? Yeah. Yeah. Versus how do I mentor this yeah. kid? Yeah. Well, Ashley, what do you, tell me how you disagree with that. <laughs> <laughs> I actually agree with you for once. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> I'm fairly certain I just saw the pearly gates. <laughs> No, but for real, like I was thinking when you were just talking, no youth leader can do this alone. Correct. Which is why the value of small group leaders is so huge. And I I always go back to Stuart when you talked about, I believe Cameron's small group leader, Sam. Sam. Mm -hmm. I think you talked about her in the last episode. And Sam, by the way, who our daughter has been in college for two months Mm -hmm. and they talk every week. That's so great. Well, she is a hero because. She must have known Cameron enough to know where Cameron was in her faith. Because mm-hmm. I remember you said something like, I, I can see she's, Sam said to you guys as her parents, she's gifted, but she also is living for Jesus. And it's like, Sam knew something about Cameron that gave her leverage and influence in her mm-hmm. life and with her parents, mm-hmm. clearly, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And she was able to minister to her exactly where she needed to be, where take um, a, a different teenager who maybe didn't have you and Kelly as parents mm-hmm. and who, who didn't get blessed, blessed with someone like Sam. <laughs> not one, how blessed they would be too. No, 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 no. I'm saying how blessed they would be to not be raised by us. Uh, oh gosh. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll let you hold on to that one. But, um, who, who doesn't know who Jesus is or who knew, knows about Jesus, but doesn't know him. Like you, you have such different teenagers. And I think the only way to know our teenagers well enough is to know them, to know yeah. them, to like yeah. to and, actually know them. And to take that one step further, I, I was reading this week in a, a book that was doing interviews with, I guess, older adults, 60s, 70s, kind of like reflecting back on how they became the sort of hmm. older people who had like a more well-rounded view of the world and altruistic and what they contributed. Hmm. But one of the things they said was they had somebody who was speaking into their lives in these formational years, and it wasn't necessarily a faith leader. Wow. And I just thought that was interesting that we, you know, we automatically rely on small group leaders as hmm. people who work in churches. And that's a great thing. But I think it's also possible that these coaches can play that same yes. sort of oh, role. Yes. And I think sometimes we're, we sell the sports short when we think that the church is the only place for them to get, for kids to get the kind of information or character development or whatever that's going to set them up for success in life when they could be getting something just as valuable outside of the church. Yeah. Totally. And yeah. The only difference is the classroom is different. Right. It may be a field or a right. court. Yeah, 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 absolutely. That's yeah. so true. And they don't even have to be believers to teach you some of those. Well, I mean, it goes down to the fact that because our kids are so individual, they we don't get to choose who they connect with, right? You know, and who they're going to trust, and who they're going to, you know, share their 
secrets or, yeah. or whatever that yeah. we just have to, as parents and leaders, make sure that there are adults around them yes. that give them the potential to connect. Yes. And I, I want to voice this as a parent and Kelly and I had multiple conversations about this. Our greatest fear with our children is that we unintentionally put them on theological welfare. Mm. Mm. That they were it's dependent on other people to give them God. Yeah. Yeah. I, to me, that's why students go off to college and fall apart. Mm-hmm. It's not that the church wasn't functioning correctly. Mm-hmm. It's that your your kids or our kids were dependent on the church for any and every idea about God. Right. And mm-hmm. that sets them up to fail. Yeah. Yeah. Because they aren't, it doesn't matter where they go to school. Right. Mm-hmm. It they they're not going to find what they had. Yeah, no. And then you also consider because we're insiders. Just, f- I mean, this is a general statement, and I don't mean it to sting. If it does, I'm sorry. But just how little the capital C church thinks about college and young professionals. Yeah, it's almost like an afterthought in programming. Yeah. So we you can understand why. It's so important and why all of us around this table feel the angst of what do we do with this yeah. with these yeah. students to try to help them become the best version of the person God created them to be. Okay, so so it feels like the youth pastor is tempted to solve this problem by making this more black and white than it is, pitting sports against and church other. against mm-hmm. one or the other. So what is what would be a good way for them to kind of move beyond that mindset? How can they partner with sports teams and partner with parents? So this isn't a tension that creates unnecessary dissonance. I mean, pour into small group leaders, Mm -hmm. recruit volunteers, and pour into small group leaders who will pour into the students, who will pour into the parents, for sure. Mm -hmm. But also, I think a lot of times we're not selective about what we choose to teach in a certain phase of life. Mm -hmm. And I think when we know in the tumultuous Mm -hmm. teenage years Mm -hmm. that exist, and every teenager is going to have to figure out who their identity is, not just once in their life, but mm-hmm. multiple times. Oh, yeah. Like right. we, we lose our identity in something and you don't know it until it's taken from you. And then you're like, wow, I didn't know, you know, yeah. you don't even realize it. So it's right. Stuart, something you always say when you talk about influencer, which is your, which is your student leadership initiative. You always say like, we want to teach students how to think, not what to think. Mm-hmm. I think as youth pastors, if we can really hone in on teaching our teenagers how to think about mm-hmm. things and and yeah. revisiting the whole idea of identity. You may mm-hmm. get sick of teaching it. You may feel like you've said it a million times. Yeah. But like they are trying to figure out who they are, who they want to be, who that God's made them to be. Yeah. And, and in each phase of their life, you saying it means something different. Mm-hmm. Right. So yes. don't stop yes. saying it. So the how doesn't change. Mm-hmm. What How they answer it might change. But right. when we're teaching them the correct tools, that will matter and be helpful no matter what mm-hmm. stage of life they're in. That's good. What else? What else can we do to kind of, what else could they do? Is, is it unrealistic to, to encourage youth pastors to reach out to coaches of, and to say, you know, this, this student I know is on your team and they're not able to come and, you know, I don't know if, is there a way for them to kind of partner? So it's like, we're not competitors in this. I'm not, you know, well, I, 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 they can, you know, I, I know a bunch of youth pastors that get involved in their local school in right. general, Yeah, that they are just there Around. for all of the kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, FCA is a great program that a lot of youth pastors mm-hmm. get involved yeah. with. So at least that there's a, a church connection mm-hmm. of some sort, but youth leaders also need to understand the plight of the parent mm-hmm. that, that if they can empathize with mom and dad, and for, mm-hmm. for some, this is going to be harder than others, especially if they 
you know, aren't a parent or have younger yeah. kids and don't, yeah. you know, fully understand what happens as, as kids get older, yeah. you know, to really have focus groups that listen to what mom and dad are saying yeah, um, and to acknowledge the complexities of the family. Because, you know, we're talking about specifically extracurricular activities, but families in general are complex. Right. Regardless, right. regardless of just what I do There's, in my spare yeah. time, but just who I am and what I struggle with right. and, you know, my, fi- my family, my work culture, and all of all those of things mm-hmm. that play into how we partner with families, where we tend to look at just these extracurricular activities, mm-hmm. but it's, the family is just complex yeah. and, and do our research in just understanding so we can walk a mile in their shoes yeah. and understand that they, I think we've said this a million times to give them the benefit of the doubt, they're trying the best that they can mm-hmm. and they really do care about their mm-hmm. kids. And if they're bringing them to church, their kids' spiritual mm-hmm. development. Mm-hmm. But to come alongside and, and say, okay, here are several ways that this can happen, yeah. that this can look, yeah. you know, it's going to be really important. Yeah. Small group leaders though, man, I mean, that's, that's the deal. Yeah. That, that the small group leader is reaching out regardless of if the person is, if he, they're assigned to my group, mm-hmm. I'm reaching out. Yeah. I'm trying to make some sort of connection, whether you're here four weeks in a row or whether you show up once a quarter, that you're on my roster. Yeah. I'm going to treat you like you know, you're part of this. Without and that the is guilt like, of where have you been? We haven't seen yeah, you Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's rostering smaller. Mm-hmm. Like you yes. actually need to have small groups yes. so you can yeah. do that. So for small group leaders, obviously we don't want them to be demonizing sports participation, but what can they do to be helping students not build their identity around their involvement in sports? Or extracurricular activities that aren't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In general, like all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Dan? (laughs) (laughs) Love that you throw it to him. No, man. I think it's that constant reminder that you are wanted, mm-hmm. that you are loved, that you have value, mm-hmm. regardless of what you do or don't do. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that is just who you are as a child of God. And just that constant reminder, mm-hmm. um, that is, I'm going to, I mean, it's what we say. It's, it's creating the safe place. It's mm-hmm. creating the, the atmosphere where the, the kid can be themselves apart from their sport when they are in that group. Mm-hmm. That that it is not. This is not the only thing I'm going to ask you about. Right. I'm going to ask you about your relationship yes. with your parents. I'm yeah. going to ask you about how's it going at school. Yeah. What are you know what are because the tendency if that's all they care about and you see that that's all they care about is to only ask about you know how was how was your band concert this last right. weekend or how was your gymnastics tournament. And so when we do that, we reiterate that that's the only thing that we care about yeah. them, mm-hmm. where if we look for the more well-rounded Holistic. relational questions mm-hmm. that are truly the mentoring stuff that you've been, you know, that, mm-hmm. you know, Stuart mentioned that that's where now, oh, if he, they're asking me about this, yeah. that must be really important. And I yeah. need to think about that. Or yeah. even drawing attention to the characteristics that make them great at whatever sport yeah. or yeah. band. Your drive, your, your perseverance. Yes, but that. Your, is true about you whether you're playing soccer in college or not. Yes. Oh, so yes. drawing yes. attention to those yes. things. You're always going to have a drive. Right. right. Yeah. What's well, the object of that? Yeah. A, a teenager is really only as brave as the stories they tell themselves every single day when they yeah. look in the mirror. That's yeah. so true. And what we, what all of us tend to do, but especially teenagers, is we have all of these things that God says about us, mm-hmm. fearfully and wonderfully made, created in His image, mm-hmm. the Father of their Heavenly Father's eye, known before they were knit together in their mother's womb. And a kid who has 
that as their identity will look in the mirror and say, I'm a failure because I didn't score or mm-hmm. I struck out or I missed the note in, in <laughs> when I was singing the musical or all mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. And so they begin to convince uh, to me, what we have to help them do is to constantly remind themselves not only who they are, but whose they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We saw that fleshed out with all of our girls, especially because only recently because Cameron's moved out, we went into their bathroom Hmm. and we had to wipe off all the things that she and Chandler have written on their bathroom mirror over the years to just remind them that when they're looking at themselves, this is what's true of you. Mm. Yeah. This is what God thinks about you. This is who you are. Mm -hmm. And all this other stuff is a, an event in your life of what did or didn't happen. Yeah. To me, that's how we help a kid begin to build a strong self-image. Yeah. That way they can go and charge whatever it is that they want to do. Because that principle also, as you guys were alluding to earlier, it also re- it reflects on us. Because yeah. I tell myself right. lies yeah. when I look yeah. in the mirror. Right, right. We all do that. Right. Okay. So to me, that's what helps a kid wind up becoming someone that can... Do whatever it is that God created them to do, yeah. but do it understanding who and whose I am. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, Ashley? I echo what you guys say, but I'm also sitting here thinking, I don't know if we can ever prevent that identity crisis from happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we can, Dan, as you mentioned, create a safe place for when it does. They oh, know who's yeah. for them that's a great point. and that's who true. loves them yeah. and who can help them walk through that. Because like... We aren't Jesus Mm -hmm. to them. You know, we're a youth pastor or we're a parent or, you know, a friend. But, like, really only Jesus can fill that identity crisis and we can just keep pointing them to him, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think... Think sometimes when we say things like get get your teenagers to church, you know, things like that. It's like we almost act as if we're going to be the ones who we can fix it, fix, fix them everything. or save them. And yeah. and I would say to every youth pastor listening, like, we, you need to partner with parents because parents are doing the best they can mm-hmm. and trying to steward the gifts that their kids have been gifted with. Yeah, and they need somebody cheering them on as yeah. they're cheering their kid on. And I think you know your small group leaders continue encouraging them to create a safe place and pursue those kids. And Dan, you made a good point is the small groups need to be small because what volunteer yeah. has time to track right. down 15 kids who chose not to come to church that week. <laughs> yeah. And you have to go in 15 different directions right. to find them. Like nobody yeah. has that time. Yeah. So keep the small group small. I think that's, that's really good. Yeah. I think it's the identity crisis that allows God to speak to you. So mm-hmm. I don't know if we should try to avoid it. Right. It's, it's what C.S. Lewis said, that pain point, is yeah. God's megaphone yeah, to the world. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know if we should try to avoid it, but we can equip our teenagers for when they walk through it, yeah. mm-hmm. that maybe they don't yeah. make some of the choices they make in the process. And you're right. Because some of those lies. You're totally right. Because, I mean, even looking back on, you know, 40 some years of life, there have just been, we've all, I've had identity crises mm-hmm. at several different, mm-hmm. you know, when I yeah. stopped when I moved from being a children's pastor to yeah. a curriculum director, like, yeah. who am I? What do I do? And, and yeah. so if we can give them at least the tools as teenagers yeah. mm-hmm. to handle that or know what to do when these things happen, that's so, I love that. Yeah, that it, is really it changes great. the objective from let's avoid this yes. to let me be with you as you walk through mm-hmm. it. Yeah. We can figure it out together. So important. Mm-hmm. That's can really can good. I, I, I want to, what I'm about to say is going to sound crass and, of the whole of the butt variety, but 
I would I want to encourage <laughs> youth leaders who bang the drum of get your kids to church, get your kids to church, get your kids to church. There's an unspoken implication in what you're saying, and that is if parents will bring their kids to church, their kids are going to wind up being great. Mm-hmm. And if if that's what you think, yeah. then you owe an apology to every mom and dad who had their kid in church every single time the doors were open and that kid still rebelled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you painted yourself in a corner mm-hmm. because <laughs> if if you're saying this is what will fix your kid, if it doesn't work, then what is your what is your reason? Right. That's why parents become scapegoats because yeah. it's yeah. easy for yeah. the youth leader to go, well, it's because they had bad somebody. parents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And it's just an unfair position because having your child there physically doesn't mean your child is there emotionally, intellectually, oh, and sure. spiritually. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we we feel the pressure as youth leaders to make sure that environment is as good as mm-hmm. it can be. But I just wanted to say that to the youth leader who keeps banging that drum, yeah. be really, really careful because I think it puts undue pressure on mom and dad. And I think it goes back to what we've said. It creates teams. It creates, if you're with us, then we can keep you from becoming or help you become this versus putting all your time into sports or whatever else it is. It, as opposed to if the, the linking arms and we're all in this together, like mm-hmm. what can we do to partner with each other and make the most of it. And I do think that there are youth pastors whose desire for you to come to church is because they know that you need a foundation of faith. No question. And you need a a safe place to find out who you are. So like, I think there is, that's a good motive. Like that is a great motive and that's okay. And just like we said, it's kid specific. Yeah. It's knowing your kids well enough to know when to, you know, encourage them back and then when to launch them. Which points to the, we were talking about this off air, the one verse that most Mm -hmm. youth leaders use to, to kind of rebut anything we said in the, in episode 19 was Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 Mm -hmm. that talks about not forsaking the assembly of yourselves or, you know, meeting together. When you, I would encourage youth leaders to really dive into what Hebrews is talking about there because it's much more, by my interpretation, mm-hmm. what I read and study, it's much more about abandoning Jesus than it is abandoning church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that has to do with what was going on in the Hebrew church. Most youth leaders, that what Ashley just said is really their heart. Yeah. But what gets unintentionally communicated is, no, yeah. it, it can only happen within the context of these four walls. Mm-hmm. And that no youth leader worth their th- salt thinks that. No. Yeah. Well, this has been a super helpful conversation. I think there's been a lot of really great nuggets to pull from this, the individualization of each child and the different, you know, what that's going to look like for each kid, the different age groups, how this is going to look, that this is not black and white, that it's gray, championing each other. All of this was great stuff. You guys had so much awesome things to contribute. And thank you for joining us for the Rethinking Youth Ministry podcast. If another youth leader came to mind as you're listening to this episode, you might want to hear this conversation. The best place to send them is to our website, rethinkingym.org. Until next time, thanks for listening. Can we please put this topic to bed? <laughs> <laughs> Let's do a fourth episode. <laughs>